Welcome to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where Destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy! I'd like you to close your eyes. I'm going to do a visualization exercise. Not really. I'm just kidding. Um, oh, <laughs> hello, everyone. Oh, I can't you steal got Matt's me. bit. I can't steal Matt's bit. <laughs> oh, it's genuine it's a great bit. I was like, waiting for it. You've got the perfect voice for it. I should have like thought of something. I really didn't. I was just, like, in the last second, I was like, oh, what if I steal Matt's bit? But I <laughs> didn't think it out. Uh, anyways, everyone, welcome to Three Films in a Podcast. My name is Ben Lawhorn, and I'm joined, as always, by Tyler Beck. Hello, everyone. I am birthday here. Boy. I'm excited. Boy. Yeah, big night. Happy birthday. Last night of my last year in my thirties. Hell yeah! Let's do it. Let's party. Scary. <laughs> You're telling me, man. It's been my brain for the last three months. Like, oh God. yeah. I've just been telling. I've been telling people I was forty for like a year now. So that's good. Just prep yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and our mysterious man down south, Mr. Matt Weiler. The literal tip of the hat. I actually don't have That's a right. camera to like pan up at my face, but <laughs> we'll do it in post. Yeah. See, this is the stuff people miss when they don't watch the episode. That's right. They just exactly. Listen. They will not get that at all. I'm yeah, happy to have you guys here. For those new to the show, welcome to the movie club. For those returning, welcome back to the movie club. We're happy to have everybody here. Um, you can find us everywhere online at three films pod. We would appreciate you spreading the word to your friends and family and enemies and lovers and everybody uh we're also online at threefilmspod.com where we have some awesome merch that matt has designed yeah, we have some patrons look at that yeah you get some cool stickers um speaking of if you want stickers uh i also have uh some magnets and if you want Ooh. some of those send us a, a review on apple pods and dm us that you sent it and we'll we'll send something to you for free we would really appreciate the reviews and that means a lot to us so yeah thanks everyone for being here with us um let's just get into the episode it's just the three of us let's do it we're gonna have a mexican standoff all night long just the three of us <laughs> but i can't wait uh me this summer what's up uh just said me gusta <laughs> me gusta oh see oh see claro que si. <laughs> uh, we went to um incubus the other night and their opener was sublime and I mm. honestly think half the crowd was there for Sublime. I did not realize they had really? that big of a drawing. Yeah. So when you said Megusta, I was like, oh, yeah, Sublime. That's cool. But there was a, a huge Sublime following there for wow, sure. That's uh, good. Yeah, I didn't good know they know. were still doing their thing. How's, yeah, so, how's, how's their front man, Rome? He was good. He was, he was digging it. You know, he was just like, hey, I remember hearing this song for the first time. Like, it just feels like whoever that dude was that joined journey, you know, after the yeah. singer passed away, yeah. it's just like, yeah, I love this band and now I get to sing with them. So it's just like, yeah, the guy's I was mean, already karaoke awesome. these guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> and now I just get paid to do it. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. He was super entertaining. He was fun. Nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, along those lines, we are in the middle of our summer trilogies here. We are covering three trilogies this summer. Um, at first we entered the matrix which was a lot of fun. We just got time with our done time. Whoa. We just got done with our time in middle earth as we did the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, and now we're hanging out with our second favorite bounty hunter. I can't, you know, I can't put him above Boba Fett, but we are hanging out with the man with no name as we do the dollars trilogy, uh, starring Clint Eastwood. So 
we've done trilogies before. If you've listened um, last time, it was really just chaotic and a lot because we did nine movies in three episodes. We did a trilogy per episode and it was just, it was too much. So this summer we are doing one episode for each movie in the trilogy to split up our summer. So uh, it's kind of a lot better this time. I'd say without a doubt, it's nice to not have to watch three movies. (laughs) Three movies in a week. Oh, plus the fans hated it. They were like, why are you packing so much into one episode? We're like, okay, we'll split it up. We hear you. Can you guys imagine if we had done the Lord of the Rings extended edition in one episode? <laughs> like, that would have been insane. Like we, we would have broken 12 the hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way too much. And just me trying to process, like, I think I saw one of these three. I didn't understand it all, but yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, today we are talking about Sergio Leone's for a few dollars more, which is the middle entry into the dollars trilogy. Clint Eastwood is back. Um, I think technically it's a different character, but it's like these have all kind of been lumped in together. Um, the last one we did was a fistful of dollars, which is basically the spaghetti Western version of Yojimbo, which we talked about before. Uh, great movie. Check that out. Um, and we got some new but familiar faces in this movie. Uh, Lee Van Cleef and mm-hmm. Klaus Kinski um, for all those Herzog fans out there. So it's kind of cool to see him. Um, Matt, this was your selection, the dollars trilogy. So I would love to hear, um, I guess a little bit, maybe like why you picked the dollars trilogy and I guess what your experience was with this movie. Yeah. So I, I grew up with a a movie buff dad, uh, always checking stuff out from the library. And so uh, my exposure to a lot of these earlier movies, which it's, it's crazy to play that game because now thinking about it, the sixties to him, is what like the 80s is to us yeah, so it's like me yeah. getting 80 it's like i just showed tom ferris bueller the other month yeah. and it's like that's his that's his clint eastwood <laughs> movie essentially so oh, weird man. to think about that but yeah um yeah he he exposed me to a lot of you know movies the spaghetti westerns saw yeah. a lot of clint eastwood and i hadn't revisited them in adulthood and we had covered akira kurosawa and there's obvious, I mean, we covered it last episode, so many parallels, not just to the carbon copy of uh, Fistful of Dollars and Yojimbo, but just the way these movies are shot and filmed and paced is just mm-hmm. very similar to the way Kurosawa did his samurai films, which were also based on Westerns. So it felt right uh, as we went into a new trilogies round to, since we'd covered Kurosawa, it, it made sense to to pull and clean Eastwood and, and cover these movies. Yeah. I mean, totally. I think it's been a great choice. I'm excited. This is a first watch for me on all three of these. Um, Tyler, how about you? Was this your first watch? <laughs> yeah. Same man. I, um, I guess I'd only seen a few clean Eastwood movies period. You know, like I'd seen yeah. Grant Torino. Um, I'd seen some of the stuff he directed. Um, and I think I'd seen the unforgiven. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like a long time ago, you know, like it was on TV and I shouldn't have been watching it. And I did <laughs> one of those sort of sorts of things. Um, so I was really stoked when Matt chose this trilogy, not only because of the Clint Eastwood, all of, of it all. And, or I guess not only because of the parallels to Kurosawa, which I enjoyed so much, but because of the Clint Eastwood of it at all. Like mm-hmm. I knew that he was a huge figure in American pop culture and in American film history. And he still continues to be a big figure in 
for better or for worse in, in, in the film industry. Um, and so, you know, I, I wanted to kind of see what all the fuss was about. And I kind of, you know, to be honest, I kind of get it. You know, we, it, it's hard not to compare him to, um, to Shiro Mifune, especially with the first movie. And it's sort of an apples and oranges thing to me, you know, like I got, I, I get it. Like this, this character, this character at the very least is, is just really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's just, there's just really no other way to put it. He's just a badass. He's just really fun to watch. And, and Eastwood has the, the charisma and the charm to pull it off. Apparently there was some legal dust up over the actual character name from mm. this movie to the first movie. Um, and so that's why the character name is different. But I, I think like the, the, the spirit of the character is obviously the same, you know, but yeah. I, I kind of like this idea though. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the next episode for um, good, bad, and the ugly, but I really like the idea of just having the same character, but have it be a different name. It's like a different person, but the same character in different situations. It's almost like a mythology, movies. like totally mm-hmm. the story is just a little bit different. Like what did he do here? What yeah. did he do here? You know, totally. And you know, it didn't really dawn on me if I'm being honest that it was a different character until the third movie. But then after seeing that, it kind of put everything in perspective. I thought, you know, this is a wanderer. He's in a new town. They're going to call him something different, but it's the same. It's like the, there's a linear connection between the first two movies. And, you know, apparently that's not the case. Maybe that's how they intended it to be. But um, regardless, it doesn't really matter. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really cool. Again, the the score. The score and the sound design, as much as the ADR can be kind of tough, but everything mm-hmm. else, just the wind whistling through the through the prairies, the spurs jingling, the echoing gunshots, like the, the cartoonishly echoey gunshots. It almost sounds like some of these guns almost sound like that scene in Heat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's just so loud and visceral and um, just the score backing it all up. It's just. It's a lot of fun. It's a real it's a real experience to watch these movies. And I said it in the first movie. I said it in the first in the episode for the first of the trilogy, but I'll say it again. It just you really know you're watching a movie. You you're watching you know you're watching a movie, but it just doesn't matter. And I think that's I think that's when you can pull that off, it's really cool. You know, because a lot of times for me personally, I'll get very immersed into a movie and I get, I almost forget that I'm what I'm doing, you, you know, you get sucked into it and you, you yeah. kind of lose your sense of time and self or whatever. <laughs> but like with these movies, that's not the case, but it doesn't matter because it's just really fun. And I'm just having a blast with these things. Yeah. One thing I liked about it is, I mean, I had a great time with it. I liked what, what it built off of the first one. And you, you can correct me if I'm wrong or better yet, if you listen to this and you're in the comments, let me know if I'm wrong. Uh, we love to be proven wrong on here. Um, <laughs> But uh, this one had a little bit of that old Western world building where we weren't just in one town. We went to a few different towns. And so you kind of felt a little more immersed in like this Western world, uh, which I thought was was nice. Um, I loved the opening scene I I put on Letterboxd. Like currently, like as it stands right now, it's my favorite opening of any movie right of all time right now. And this this is the one where he stops the train, right? That's the scene you're talking about. No, this is where it's just a shot of a guy on a horse and then a oh, right, gun right, right, sound. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, wow. Okay, here we here we uh, go. Right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I love that. But the, the train stop was awesome, too. Um, yeah. But then I it's also really love the introduction, introduction of the that that sort of like chime music of the locket. I thought it was a really nice yeah. touch. Mm-hmm. Kind of eerie. Kind of reminded me of the score of Halloween, the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just thought that was, man, so cool. Because like the, the score is already just like amazing. And to be able to like incorporate something like that into a story like this, I thought was just like a really cool touch. Yeah. And for it to actually be a a plot point in the story itself, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're aware of the score, but the characters aren't. But in, in this instance, like it all kind of ties together and almost it all just uh, it's like the rug in the in the dude's house, you know, it really ties <laughs> yeah. it all together. <laughs> um, one, another thing I thought it was interesting was. And we've talked about this a few times with with a couple different trilogies, but I really feel like uh, Leone and the writers of this movie really understood what we liked about the first one so much and just cranked it up just enough more like it didn't go way over the top. But Mm -hmm. I felt like I felt like every every scene had like an extra second or two of like hard stare, hard squinty stare, or there was like there was just like two or three extra like gun standoffs and gun sweaty fights faces. And yeah. Sweaty. Mm-hmm. That everything was just cranked up just a little bit more, just enough that it wasn't like too over the top. And it, but it just felt like it just felt like they really understood what we wanted and they gave it to us. And a lot of times it can go badly. We talked about it with the matrix, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. they guess they, they, they assumed what we wanted and they assumed incorrectly. And in this time around, they, <laughs> it they could go it. good. It could go bad or it could go ugly. Yes, it sure can. <laughs> well, that's the episode. Everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I echo everything you guys have said, the chime, the locket, I loved quite a bit. I'll talk about it later on in my elevator pitch, but it reminded me a lot. Um, there's an old film from 1931 called M it's a Fritz Lang movie of Peter Lorre. And, Uh, the character that you, you hear whistling basically uh, basically right before someone's going to die. Mm. And it reminded me a lot of this because I feel like the chime that locket was a lot of, we saw him do that a few times where it's like, once the chime stop, get your gun. It's like, Oh, so this is kind of like the setup here. Uh, it's, and it's kind of cool to have like a musical cue mm-hmm. to it. Um, I hope I, I wanted to wait to talk about uh, in depth, Ennio Morricone till next week. Cause I think his good, bad and ugly soundtrack is, arguably the best thing he's ever done so yeah. um but it was this was also another wonderful like he did great with all three of these mm-hmm. movies but i just felt like we should really dive in next week because he's i mean it's just so powerful what he's done but i love the soundtrack um you know i think clint like you said tyler's like everything's just a little more and i think clint is as well you know mm-hmm. i think he's just yeah. like kind of fitting into the role totally. a little bit better um which which i liked a lot like i i really enjoyed you know, a fistful of dollars. And we talked about the Yojimbo ripoff of it all and everything. But I also felt like Clint was kind of like a little stiff maybe throughout it. So I, I just felt like he was much better in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that opening scene, like you said, Matt was, was so cool. Just that like long shot, you know, <laughs> just like falling off. Like they set it up so well, mm-hmm. um, all the towns, like the areas here and introducing a lot of this band, this bandit, I guess uh, this group, you know, of just like, bank robbers and stuff and just kind of getting to know them really quickly and who they are and what they want. Uh, I think this whole, this movie does it all mm-hmm. really, really well. I, I thought it was, it was great. 
yeah, I think, uh, you know, I want to kind of get into our elevator pitches here. Cause I think a lot of the scenes that we want to talk about are some of the biggest in the movie. Uh, for those who are first time listeners, our elevator pitch, the idea behind it is if you had to convince someone to watch this movie and you happen to be stuck in an elevator with them, what scene or moment would you show them, um, on your phone? Probably the way Sergio Leone intended these to be watched, obviously. Yeah. Um, but if you could show them one scene to kind of draw their attention and just be like, this is the thing that really like, you know, that this is like Clint's role. This is, you know, what he's probably known for the best. Uh, I'm curious what you guys would choose to show them. Tyler, do you want to go first? Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? I'm sure, man. Um, so we were talking a little bit before we recorded um, a little peek behind the curtain here for you listeners and watchers. And all of us sort of agreed with the thing I put on the document. I will mention there's a there, like this. This is a movie that's I don't know what we're calling these, but it's almost like a. I think we call them a dartboard movie. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you put the timeline of the film out and just threw a dart, you'd probably hit something really cool. I think uh, we mentioned the train, the train scene, the very beginning, the introduction mm-hmm. to the colonel is yeah. really cool. Um, but I, I feel like it's difficult not to pick a scene here that the colonel isn't in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could have said that in a more confusing way, <laughs> but I feel like the colonel has to be in the scene that we mentioned here. And I instantly thought the second I saw the scene I'm about to mention, like that's hands down the elevator pitch. And a lot of it had to do with Matt's criteria. He typically, Matt, you typically choose stuff. That's you like to see something that you've never seen in a movie before. And I've never seen anything like this before. We've seen, We've seen characters be badass. We've seen cool character introductions. We've seen like interesting ways of to intimidate people from characters. But the scene where the colonel walks into the bar and lights his match on the hump on the hunchback's back and (laughs) lights lights his cigar and that whole thing in his face. Like I I described it terribly and that's fine because if you haven't seen it, (laughs) you have to check it out. There's no way I could just like even if I described it perfectly, it's like, so what? It doesn't sound mm-hmm. that interesting or that cool, but it's fucking awesome. It's so cool. It's so badass. And it's such a really cool way to show how uh, intimidating and tough without effort that the colonel is. You know what I mean? Like the colonel yeah. is just so effortless, effortlessly intimidating um, in a way that's almost confusing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because he he kind of comes off as a dandy, you know, like he's got he wears a like, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a rough and tumble cowboy. You know, he's a I, I do you guys remember the old um, Pace Picante sauce yeah, commercials? For sure. He, he seems like he came from New York City. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like he's the guy this that the cowboys sitting City. around. The, <laughs> he's the guy that they all sit around and make fun of. But. Or this dog made New York City. New York City. Stranger, I hope you can be the full house. He's just, I mean, he's an incredible shot. Apparently, um, Lee Van Cleef claims that in real life, he's quicker off the draw than Clint Eastwood is <laughs> by like All an right. eighth of a second or something like that. Um, but no, he's just such an incredible marksman, a skilled uh, gunslinger and just a confident intelligent character it's hard not to root for him and i'm i'm really glad i thought it was really cool the way that they team up in this movie like Mm -hmm. i i like that 
rather than having, you know, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object, they team up to, you know, for a common goal. And they, they have a that level of respect for each other. I thought was was really cool. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. You said you said confusing and he was a little bit confusing because you spend most of the movie not knowing if you should be rooting for him or not. Like yeah, you totally. are like skeptically rooting for him. So totally. it's like, I don't know if like, do I really trust this guy? I feel yeah. like I do. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like he's kind of got some beef with our protagonist here. So I feel like I shouldn't like him, but I also, yeah, you're, the way we meet him, he's kind of like you say, he's like effortlessly cool. Like it's kind of, he's more of a, a marksman and, you know, upfront with his skill, but it, it, it's hard not to think of like Han Solo, you know, like when yeah. we meet him for the first time, it's like, Oh, okay. This guy's like, just cool you know um shooting shooting greedo things like that it's like okay we get that it also kind of reminded me of um i think it's a seven samurai when they go to watch that guy like fight in the field you know and he's like oh we need that guy it's just like that guy is so good that like there's no one else that's going to beat him at this thing and i think that's kind of what we get from the colonel you know it's like oh he's so confident like he knows there's like five guys here he's like i don't care you know like i can take (laughs) all of them it's like okay this guy is is legit. It's kind of cool yeah. to see people like that and see it like backed up for sure. Uh, Matt, how about you? What's your uh, elevator pitch? Uh, I really liked. Uh, I liked the scene where he's stacking up the bodies. You know, mm-hmm. making an accounting of his body count. And to to those youngins out there, body count means something different back then. Okay, <laughs> that's very true. Clint Eastwood's not getting down with anybody in this that. movie. So if you're if you're <laughs> If you're looking for Clint Eastwood and his body count in this movie, you're going to get a completely different movie. But uh, he's <laughs> except, kept- I guess there was a scene shot where uh, he slept with like the innkeeper's wife, the one that like really oh yeah <laughs> liked him a lot. But it's like a deleted scene, and they just like got oh, rid of it. But sure. I guess they shot it at some point, which was like that felt like it never got paid off in the movie. So I was like, yeah. what is happening here? So uh-huh. it makes sense they shot it at one point, but they didn't include it's in it, the Clint but- vault. Yeah, it's in the Clint vault. It's just yeah, just for him. And there it shall stay. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why they shot it. It was probably in his contract. That would have been my elevator pitch. <laughs> that ah. was it. Yeah, find me the footage. Clint's body count. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm of course referring to the other body count where he's basically stacking the bodies in the wagon, which is already just yeah. like a weird shot. Like it's mm-hmm. insane. Um, but and like he, I, I couldn't help but think like those are gonna fall out. Like at least three of those bodies are oh, gonna yeah. fall. These roads are so bumpy. There's no shocks on this wagon. Like none of those inter- are staying in that wagon. It's just interesting how matter of fact it was. It's like okay, we did so, our work here. Now just throw the bodies in the wagon. Yeah, good days. What about that? He's like, where do you take these? Number one, like, what's the delivery point here? And if you run to in, into anybody like on the trail, it's just like, don't worry, I just got uh you know eight guys back here. <laughs> like it's yeah, so like, pass weird, a family. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's fine. But to your point, Tyler, too, like his two biggest earners were the two that were put on there the laziest, you know? <laughs> just yeah. like those are the first two guys falling out. Like you gotta like put the bridge up, yeah. like close yeah. them in there. But, yeah, I want to see him tie yeah. them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like you that's that fifteen regard- grand back there. <laughs> despite the fact that he's a bounty hunter and he does this for money, I get the sense that he doesn't really care about money all that much. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe yeah. it's just the confidence knowing he's like, I can go anywhere and get it. It's no big deal. Yeah. But. There's like an altruism side of him. Like I liken it sort of to the Mandalorian. There's like some parallels mm-hmm. there too. There's a lot of uh, this character. And in, in I feel like Pedro Pascal's performance as the Mandalorian, yeah. where I guess the Mandalorian really leans more into the altruism. Whereas this guy's, I mean, they're both clearly doing it for money, but 
on top of doing it as a job, like they seem to have some type of moral compass that they're trying mm-hmm. to do the right thing. Um, but no, he's, he's stacking the bodies. He's counting them. He counts the body. They count these guys throughout the movie. It's kind of funny. There's mm-hmm. several counting scenes. Anyways, yeah. it all leads up to this one, I believe. And uh, he's one body short. And this guy comes up behind him and he shoots him. And then the colonel from the sunset, and he has to be like already like a quarter mile away. He's like, yeah. hey, everything OK back there? <laughs> and then like Clint doesn't even yell back to him. He's like, yeah, I thought I had a math problem or something. Yeah. It's like, OK, this movie rules. It's yeah. so good. And like, I mean, there are bigger continuity issues here. But yeah, like the colonel is in like golden hour sunset pinks and reds. <laughs> and then he cuts a Clint, and it is just like middle of the day yeah like, yeah we're good <laughs> you know it's yeah like, okay the harsh cool. sun lines across his face from his <laughs> <Yeah>. hat <laughs> oh I, I loved it yeah and I, I mean i think about that guy but i mean that happens all the time i think in these kind of like especially like superhero movies or whatever it's like you see someone kill or beat up 10 people and then one last guy's like i'm the one that can do it it's like dude like you can't it's like, like you away. just killed 10 like, people like just run away go You're see your family yeah. beat him yeah exactly like <laughs> yeah. enjoy these moments but it's like, <laughs> you've you already won you're not yeah. in the wagon. Yeah. You won, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, get out exactly. of here. <laughs> like, just get out of there. He's like, I'm just going to, you know, cock my gun really loudly right behind him. <laughs> it's just so yeah, like, funny. Why wouldn't you, like, try to pistol whip him or something? Like, yeah, I have no clue. It was, I don't know. Hmm. Must have had a, a, a He would have had his arm blown notes. off. Yeah. If he yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That scene was great, but that, yeah, back and forth. Like, you good. And also, I, I guess I didn't realize, I think for us, Clint Eastwood has always been old, you know, for our yeah. demographic. Mm-hmm. And so to hear him call someone old man in the movie, I was like, how different are you guys in age? Like, I don't know that yeah. it's like <laughs> that different, you know, but also Clint Eastwood, I think he's just been like perpetually 70 years old my entire life. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're just old forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just looked it up. Uh, Lee Van Cleef was born in 1925. Clint Eastwood, 1930. Like he's five years older than him. It's like, man, if you start calling Tyler and I old, then this is going to be the All end. All right, old man. <laughs> All right, old I'm, man. Whatever. I certainly <laughs> am old. It's like that. This is an Easter egg for Ethan, but it's like that character on Christmas with the Cranks that calls Tim Allen old man. <laughs> Shout like, out Ethan Simi. <laughs> <laughs> The person who did not get Christmas of the Cranks in our Christmas draft. Just a reminder. Oh, well. Just get it. Yeah. Remind him of that. My scene is actually right before the stack in the bodies. um, And I just liked, I guess, the the pace of it. Like, it's it's probably like, it feels like a 10-minute scene, but it doesn't necessarily feel slow. It just feels intentional. But we get the whole, like, when the chimes stop, you know, it's the Colonel and El Indio, I think, Mm -hmm. is the guy's name. Like, the main bad guy here. Yeah. Um, and El Indio shoots the gun out of the colonel's hand and then he pulls out the chime. And it's like, all right, when this stops, like you pick up your gun, we'll shoot. And we've seen him do this before in the movie. And obviously he's like faster than anybody whose gun is on the ground. So he kills him. But it was kind of cool. Like as the chimes are winding down and we like, we go through the whole thing. It's like 40 seconds to a minute. Like yeah. we just like, <laughs> we're there throughout it all. And then we, we just got so many cool, like, split diopter scenes in this movie where all of a sudden like Clint's hand comes in with the other chime or the other locket. And it's like, you know, the chimes are going off and then just kind of setting it up. So it's more of a fair fight, you know, where he walks over, he's like, the chimes are still going technically. So you can't like shoot each other. 
and, you know, gives the Colonel his gun, all that kind of stuff. I just, I really liked the pace of it. Like I said, I, I can't think of another word besides intentional, but it was mm-hmm. just very much like at his speed. Um, and I, I just, it heightened up the drama. Like the drama is already yeah. going, but it's almost like a reset and it's just like elevated a little more. Um, but I think we know, obviously we know the good guys are going to win anyway, but once the Colonel has like a gun actually not on the ground, it's like, Oh, we've seen him. Like he's so fast. He's faster mm-hmm. than everybody in this whole movie. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed that, that scene quite a bit. A lot of cool split diopter stuff we got here. where just, everything's in focus, like super up close to the camera and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, that was, that was one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie for sure. Yeah. Um, the, the pace of that is, you know, that, that's spot on. Like, I, I felt like it was like, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys used to blow stuff up when you were kids, make your own fireworks and stuff like that. I certainly <laughs> did, but like, you never quite knew if you, if it was going to work, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you weren't ever quite sure if it was actually going to, if it was going to go off. And like, it felt like, it felt like you had like a homemade M80 under a bucket <laughs> in your circle. And I don't mean, I don't mean to be so specific because I certainly never did this, but, never. Um, it wasn't but it's just like, you're never. just, you know, it's going to happen. You know that there, this gunfight's about to happen and you're pretty sure that the good guys are going to win at least one of them, probably mm-hmm. at least Clint Eastwood. Right. But the way it just, that, that chime keeps going and, and the, the cuts back and forth and just, it was when when I say it when I say it was dialed up to eleven, like that's what this scene was to me. It was like mm-hmm. the whole movie, this whole the the whole team up, the whole everything was just leading up to this one point, and they milked it to the exact right point because yeah, there was there was getting to a point where I was like, okay, like come on, like we got let's go, like my mm-hmm. I was like getting anxiety, and then finally, you know, it, boom, it, it, the burst yeah. happens and. And it's over and it's and it's over so fast, um, so which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. I, another scene that was similar to that for me, and I want to mention it was uh, when Eastwood and the Colonel, I don't know what his name mm-hmm. is in this. Mon- Monco. Monco is Monco, Eastwood's yeah. name. when Monco and the Colonel uh, finally have their little they had their little showdown and they, you know, earn each other's respect. The scene where Clint shot his hat away from him oh my god like i was like that that could have been an snl skit like that could have gone on for another 15 minutes i was (laughs) like i was rolling laughing and also like wildly interested i was like there's no fucking way he's gonna shoot that hat again there's no way and every time he did it i was like this is fucking bananas how have i never seen this before and that would have been my pick but i just would really want someone to see that yeah yeah you know in the context of the movie because and then obviously the colonel gets his revenge in that same scene but it was just like this is unbelievable <laughs> mm-hmm. the, like it was that scene in family guy where he hits his shin on the fire hydrant yeah i want to mention another snl thought that i had uh but before i do i just want i just want to go back to the standoff that ben mentioned and like like you said like the intentionality of it what's cool is that like we've already seen an intense standoff in the last Eastwood movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. and we've already seen standoffs in every Western movie. It's like, how do we mix this up? How do we do it different? And that's where like the chime thing really like bringing yeah. that in yeah, really feels unique and really cool. Just like another little layer there that makes it different, mm-hmm. makes it stand out because I don't know. 
right? I really enjoyed this movie through and through, but I don't know how much it stands out to me compared to the other Clint Eastwood movies I've seen. But now I'm always just going to remember that that standoff specifically because of the chime and the locket. Yeah. And all yeah. That. yeah. I like that a lot. Um, before you go to your SNL bit, just one last thing about the standoff. Like it, it was this cool, it almost felt like this weird, like bounty hunter code or something like that, because before, you know, the two of them are waiting for everyone to show up. He's like, Indio is mine. It's like, okay, cool. Like you get to kill Indio, whatever. And there's still like opportunities where Clint could have, where mm-hmm. Monko could have shot him. But instead, it's just like, all right, I'll come help you with this. I want to make sure you get what you want out of that. And I thought that was really cool. You know, whatever kind of respect there is between these two guys, it's just like, yeah, Clint easily could have just taken him out. But it's like, nope, I'm going to let you like you might lose the duel. Like, I don't think you will, but uh, this is what you wanted. So I'm going to give that to you. So I, I really liked that. And then well, I maybe one of my bigger issues with the movie was like discovering the intention behind the colonel's connection to the locket um for the longest time i thought like i mean if you're listening you know you've either seen it or you don't care but we get these flashbacks of indio when he's younger uh coming to and he sees this couple on a bed and they have this locket i'm assuming that's his girlfriend or something like that that's in there like if she's cheating on him i don't know exactly but he he shoots the guy and you know, that's just the end of the dude. But throughout the whole movie, I was like, did he live? Like, is the, is the hmm. Colonel, the guy, <laughs> like they're not really telling us anything yeah. about like yeah. why he cares or why he has this locket. You know, it's like, did that guy not die? And they're just going to tell us later. And then we would get the lockets together at the end. And Clint Eastwood, like just very heavy handedly, like oh, a lot of familial, like familiarity right there. He's like, yeah, it's my sister. <laughs> it's just like, that's it. Like, Oh, Okay, cool. I guess that yeah, yeah. that was it. Like yeah, yeah. moving on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> just like I thought, there's just gonna be like some bigger thing. Yeah, you're just like, oh, you you look like the lady in the locket. It's like, yeah, brother sister. See ya. <laughs> you know? Like, okay, bye. <laughs> I don't know. Right, like, like, I got a sunset so to ride off into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like you keep the money. I got my locket. So, so I don't the, know. I that, that exchange. Funny. So I I think about uh, this is like my my dream SNL bit, or I guess one of my dream SNL bits I was thinking about during the movie, but you have that sketch and this actually isn't Saturday Night Live of John C. Riley and Will Ferrell doing their version of the Bean Crosby, oh, David yeah. Bowie White Christmas. Yeah. Mm. And they're, I mean, they were essentially just doing it word for word for the most part, but then adding mm. in some, some agitation with each other, which is funny. <laughs> well, I had the same sort of vision when uh clint's trying to get his gun back from colonel after the duel and i just yeah. imagine like will ferrell is clint eastwood and john c Riley with <laughs> his gun <laughs> and just like an aggressive exchange between them like oh, oh man so good i would love that, that. yeah you know, that deleted scene, scene from Step Brothers. yeah yes yeah exactly <laughs> so when that was happening i was like these hats are torn to fucking shreds like <laughs> i know come on like i know we never see like we don't see like blood spatter. We don't see like actually like there's no, like there's no gun, whatever there's gun violence, but there, you don't see like the, the, yeah, there's hardly the damage. Any. It's like, you see gun. some holes, when the girl, you see holes. See, yeah, yeah. When the girl shoots that's herself I mean, like, and then that last, like the stacking part, like that's some yeah. of the only blood we see, but that's what I, and, the, and then these hats, there's like two holes in like, each guy's hat. <laughs> yeah. It's like these hats are, 
blown to smithereens. Like they always mm-hmm. heard shreds. It just it was so funny to me. But it I works. Just, I don't know why. It's just like maybe it's just maybe it's because it feels like you're watching a play or something. So like yeah. you, you just you can just you forgive it. The suspension of disbelief, all that stuff. Um, somehow this movie keeps pulling it off. Like it makes no. It, the, there's there's no denying that you're you're watching something you know you're yeah you're watching a piece of of art and yeah it's, i don't know it's just it's cool i like this movie <laughs> I, I just like that's how they earned each other's respect yeah you know like because then afterwards like the hats are i think hanging up and they're just like sitting at the bar together at right. the table it's like okay we're, you're like we can shoot hats like we can <laughs> we can be friends now like i could kill you if i wanted to but i yeah don't, I the colonels <laughs> i mean what the colonel did like what clint did was funny you know and annoying yeah. but like what the colonel did is like oh that was like that's actually super impressive but yeah along the lines of the colonel i think i want to get into our apollonia award uh which is essentially you know you know it's the best supporting character something that like really stands out when you think about the movie much like Apollonia when it comes to the movie Purple Rain. Um so uh, yeah, I just kind of want to talk about these characters and if you have anyone in particular that kind of stole the show for you or anything, um you know, for example, Helm's Deep, it doesn't have to be a person, it could be a place as we've established <laughs> before. So anything at all that you want to be your Apollonia award. Um Matt, I'm going to throw it to you first. Oh, mine's got to be El Paso. Gotta be El Paso. Oh. <laughs> that bank, that white bank <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the town. Like, <laughs> um, well, it's funny you say that because apparently the town of El Paso still stands in Spain and they call it Little Hollywood. I was reading oh, really? the trivia here. That's cool. So That's cool. people liked it enough that they kept it around. And I, I think it's a thing you can go visit. So. Sounds like we have a three films of podcast field trip to take. Yeah. Hey. Join our patron to fund us to <laughs> yeah. Little Hollywood. <laughs> we'll take a picture with you with the, with your name, you know. With us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, mine's mine's got to be Colonel. You know, you you have a character yeah. like Clint, and you have someone who like like how do you get someone to come in and match his presence and match his intensity? And they were able to do that. And I feel like uh, going back on an earlier thing that Tyler said, like. There was something confusing about his character just because he does come in with like this dominance as a total alpha. And uh, mm-hmm. he's for sure. But like you, the train scene alone, you're like, this guy's the villain. This is for sure the villain yeah. of this. Yeah. film. And like, Pre- how could he not be to read so the Bible. cool that he's not? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> yeah. So it, so it was a cool, uh, I guess, subversion of expectations with him. And yeah, I just love the intensity that he brought. Uh, him being something of a an anti Clint Eastwood in some mm-hmm. ways, but also being his equal in other ways, and so uh, yeah, that's he's mine. Enough cool. said. Yeah. Shouts to the Colonel. I mean, I, I don't know. We have to pick other people <laughs> because or else we wouldn't have a segment here. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how you don't pick the Colonel. You know, like yeah. A, truth be told, he he is my pick, but. Um, I do want to shout out, can't remember the actor's name that played El Indio. I thought he was really cool. I thought El Indio mm-hmm. was really cool. So I wanted to shout him out. But I think. So this actually like this, this pick for me is a person and a place. Um, I loved they call him the old. They all they call. Yeah. Well, there was things in the house. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Trains are things. 
So, yeah, person place on a thing. Uh, no, the old <laughs> prophet in his house by the by the train tracks. Oh yeah. Um, I loved it. I don't know what it is. There's something about a shitty house and a train that goes by that just does it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like we see it in Blues Brothers. We see it. In, there's a scene in Seven. Um, yeah. There's a there's a, there's a couple other times I I can't think of right now, but there's like a this weird romanticism I have for like shitty living conditions in movies <laughs> you know what i mean oh, yeah. and a character and like and especially a character like him or like or like the blues brothers where it's it's their place it's their their weird little hideout and it's just uh this this strange not foreboding but just a place you wouldn't want to be but for some reason they're there and i don't know there's just i can't really articulate it but i always dig that i always am interested by that and this character was really funny. I loved his like anti-futurism rants and how <laughs> yeah. much he hates these trains. And I don't know. I think, I think I just have an affinity for people who are so stubborn that they like refuse to change their life, regardless of how bad it was just out of principle. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, Ben, you and I have a buddy, uh, Matt, I don't know if you know him, but he lived in some lofts that they built around a person's house. This person wouldn't sell their home and the the lofts just built these like you know high dollar <laughs> luxury lofts around his house hmm. and it's still there to the, to these to this day like and he would make a point to like he put a bathtub in the backyard and he would like <laughs> just go and hang out in the bathtub naked like it's like it's my house i'll do it you know like i just i don't i just think that's so funny <laughs> yeah like, like shouts to that guy like standing on his principles he come on the pod sell like to these subscribe. developers yeah he i could imagine he'd be quite the guest um so i don't know that's what i'll that's what i'll do here i'll say the just that whole old prospector old old prophet his whole deal the character his house the train sure. rattling by all that stuff yeah and imagine how absolutely batshit you'd ins- insane you'd be if you got woken up every two oh. hours by a train I cannot imagine yeah but i love his <laughs> resilience he's like i'm not leaving like they're yeah. not gonna defeat me it's like yeah. yeah, you might literally go crazy, but whatever, man. Like, if this is what you want to do, yeah, I think it's an awesome choice. Yeah, along the lines of El, El Indio, as you mentioned, um, that was a great performance. One of the other scenes I loved, the one I was, uh, the other scene I was thinking about talking about, uh, was when he tells the story about like the guy who made the the vault and all that, you know. And, oh, and, right. You know, he's like, oh, and he put it inside the cabinet. It's not actually in the vault, and he's like telling it to the band of you know robbers and stuff like that. And it was pretty like captivating to hear what he was talking totally. about. And then we find out, you know, it kind of calls back to just earlier in the scene where he got broken out of jail and he like, he shoots the guy that he's in the cell with, you know, it's like, what, why'd you do that, man? Like, let him go too. <laughs> like, you know, you get out, but then we find out as he's telling the story, he's like, oh yeah, that the guy I shared a cell with was the one who told me about this. So I know where all this money is. So let's go get it. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a, that was yeah. a really cool scene. Um, yeah. And everyone's just like really into it, but um i mentioned it earlier in lieu of a team-up scene right like yeah usually usually in a movie like this and to setting up the heist we get the team up but this instead exactly the the lore of the it's sort of like half of oceans 11 (laughs) we don't yeah yeah the team up i happened off screen but we get like the the plan and the and the why of it all exactly this is the (laughs) scene like when when we're at um ruben's house or whatever and it's just like now we're all going to explain why we're going into this vault so yeah um yeah, so I, I just want to shout out that scene. But I mentioned it earlier. I just think Clint Eastwood really kind of elevated himself uh, in this movie from the last one. 
really enjoyed his performance quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like as we've been talking about that house and the, the bank and all that, they really made so much of this seem real. Uh, it's kind of crazy because they did this on $600,000 budget of which Clint Eastwood basically got like 10%, um, which was, you know, great. But it's like, I can't imagine they did this with like, it's, I know it's a lot of money, but like half a million dollars to make a feature film is not a ton. You know, they, they yeah. pulled it off. Uh, they grossed 15 million off of that, which is kind of cool, awesome. but Holy shit. Um, I think that really, again, just kind of speaks to, to Clint and carrying this role in these movies. Um, obviously was, was help from Sergio Leone and Ennio Marconi as well. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give it to Clint. Uh, I think he did a wonderful job. I think I now let's get into the rush more. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Uh, we're going to do heist movies. And I think this isn't necessarily like a heist movie, so to speak. But there's a heist that's kind of a, the center around what we're doing. So that's why I want to talk about it. Like, there's other things we could have done, you know, like unlikely team ups or whatever. But I just yeah. wanted to talk about heist movies because why not? Yeah. So uh, I think as a collective, the three of us would agree, as we've just talked about it, like Ocean's Eleven, you know, is probably the best one or our favorite one, you know, amongst the three of us. Uh, we, you know, we did a recast on it a while back. We just really love that movie. So I feel like that one's a lock in there. Um, but I want each of us to pick one more heist movie to complete our Rushmore Mountain. Uh, Matt, do you want to go first? Yes, I do. I've got to go with a movie that has... Channing Tatum, Daniel nope. Craig, uh, Seth MacFarlane, um, okay. and none other. Is not like the other. <laughs> none other than our guy Adam Driver. Indeed. And I'm going with Logan Lucky. I was. Uh, it was. A, it was. We, we brought it up a couple times on the on the pod. It's a pleasant surprise. Um, I don't think it got a ton of buzz. But everyone I know who's seen it really likes it. I recommend mm-hmm. it. Great heist movie. Really good heist movie. Uh, Riley Keough. We get uh, Katie Holmes in it as well. Um, that's right. That's yeah. Honestly, might make my Soderbergh Soderbergh Rushmore. Like it's it's a really good movie. So I have a very strange relationship with this movie. In that you guys talk about it all the time, and it's <laughs> something that I feel like I should see. And not only that, it's something that I feel like I watched recently and I have zero recollection of it. <laughs> like I'm literally going on Letterboxd right now to see. Yeah. Okay. So I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. I watched it. I rated it four stars and I marked it as liked on Letterboxd. I have zero <laughs> recollection of this movie like not at oh, all Oh man i love that like i don't know what i was living at vegas in, in vegas at the time mm. uh so the memory must have stayed in vegas it must have <laughs> i have so hold on i gotta go through and like try to find my review here i gotta see how i felt about this movie okay um because this is like this is great this is pretty fun it's I watched it on April 23rd. Nice. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so I said, hell yeah. Appalachian <laughs> Oceans 11. I love it. I might need to amend my unexpected musical moment Rushmore list. 
and I have no idea what I'm talking about. So what a what a treat for me to go back and figure yeah. out what I'm talking about here. Wow. You can answer your own Rushmore question. You can watch a movie again for the first time and not remember it. So. Wow. This is incredible. What a moment for your guy. Um yeah. well, great pick, Matt. Thank I you. apparently agreed. You agreed. Four stars. April Tyler agreed. No notes. <laughs> My favorite part is that I marked it as liked. Not only did yeah. I give it four stars, but yeah. I liked the Which movie. is higher praise, yeah. 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 Wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I had originally on this document put point break. But Shut up, now break. I feel like I, I can't pick that anymore for stuff because it's like either I can as a bit, you know, <laughs> or I've got to like get out of this um so at this moment right now looking through lists um gosh there's a lot of really great movies that come up as heist movies on the internet we covered the killing which is a great movie Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna say inception um not only is it like you know as far as as far as nolan movies go or frankly any movie really i don't have um, as much of an aversion to Nolan as a lot of people seem to have, like I feel like Nolan's like pretty divisive among, you know, like movie heads mm-hmm. or, or movie buffs. Like, you, you, like if you like Nolan, it's like, oh, you're a Nolan bro or whatever. And like, yeah, I get that um, to some degree, but I also think it's kind of stupid. Um, I think <laughs> he makes really cool, fun movies, and this is one of them. You know, like it's a it's a dream heist, man. It's like. I don't know. Like, if, what, what so else good. do you want? Like, like Matt, your whole thing about your uh, elevator pitch is you want to show something you've never seen before. Well, literally, up that's until Inception came out, we'd yeah. never seen anything like this before, and that's totally his brand. And he usually pulls it off. For mm-hmm. me, I, I mean, Ben, I know you didn't uh, quite like Interstellar that much, and I know that your opinion hasn't really changed all that much or aged um, well. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> shots shit i don't know i just like much like how you hesitated to pick infinity war for battle scenes yeah yeah um I, like i have that same strange aversion just because like i know the backlash that like that nolan gets and mm-hmm. i guess i don't really care but it's I, it's whatever inception it's going on the list i love, love it, it. <laughs> we uh we're interviewing for a spot at my company and just to like not necessarily break the tension but to stop talking about work stuff i asked i was like who like what's your favorite movie whatever and the dude was like man i just i really love nolan movies and tarantino and like my initial thought was like dude that's such a fucking like bro answer but i was like but i actually i, I love all this <laughs> oh, like, i know that's what i was wrong. thinking too like, it's it was so just, funny because even just hearing you tell that story, I'm like, oh, of course, bro. But I'm like, wait, I love both of those. Yeah, exactly. I don't think those would be my only two that I were to mention. Yeah. But even if I did, you know, whatever. It's, I don't know. Yeah, people can like what they like. (laughs) Yeah, we're not trying to like gatekeep anything, but it's just so funny. Just like, all right, man, I guess. But it's like, yeah, yeah, I own all of those movies too, even the one I don't like. So yeah, I get it. Um, (laughs) Mine is another movie that I love um, because it's got Jimmy Smith's, you know, what more do you need? You got Jimmy Smith's. Give me more Jimmy Smith's. Yeah. A uh, famous Jimmy Smith's movie, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. <laughs> uh, you know, we got a real guy though. Ben Mendelsohn's in it. Uh, love him. Riz Ahmed, Diego Luna, Felicity Ooh. Jones, who just like really owns this movie. 
Donnie Yen, like this, the cast here is fantastic. We haven't even talked about our man, Mads Mikkelsen, but I love Rogue One. Um, I think it's kind of maybe divisive, you know, for people, you know, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a one story story, so to speak. Like we know how this is going to end. There's only one way it can end. And I think some people didn't like it for that reason, but I, I loved it. And I thought it was really kind of cool as far as star Wars lore goes. And it's like, why is there that one thing that can blow up the death star? It's like, well, now we know, you know, like now that all makes sense. And I think it did a really good job of it. I think it's beautiful. I love it. I think Alan Tudyk is K2SO was hilarious. I just loved it. And again, it's like, it's kind of a get the band together and Mm -hmm. let's make this happen. I think I'm a sucker for those things. uh, And this just got to be done in a super cool galaxy far, far away. So I love Rogue One. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I love it too. What's funny about Rogue One is like, I saw and loved it. And I'm a very big Star Wars apologist. Like I'm very easy. Like as far as a diehard Star Wars fan goes, like very easy going with star wars like it has to mm-hmm. it has to be really rubbing me the wrong way to for me not to like it so which is almost it like 90 percent of the stuff is is just great to me i was shocked that like most of the people that are like me that way for whatever reason like are indifferent or didn't like rogue one it's like how yeah <laughs> like yeah. i understand the people who like hate 90 percent of star wars you know but it's like <laughs> they i don't even, know they hate the thing they love isn't it funny like that's that's the star wars fan base right there (laughs) they love it so much they hate it (laughs) they hate it because no one else understands it the way that they understand it (laughs) and more power to them i i loved rogue Rogue one aren't we going to see this soon the three of us yeah i think it's in the theaters right now hell yeah gonna take a birthday trip that's exciting yeah Yeah, let's do it um yeah i don't have near the connection to star wars that either of you do um I've seen most of it, you know, I have, you know, most of the Star Wars stuff out there I've seen. Um, and I thought Rogue One was great. It was super mm-hmm. fun. I don't, I don't know what's not to like, really. I think, uh, yeah, I, I honestly don't really know. I mean, if it's not your bag, that's fine. But I'm just like, it doesn't really make sense to me. But yeah, do you do you boo boo? Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Uh, again, like just beautifully shot. Uh, Gareth Edwards did a, a really great job with that. So. Uh, yeah, Rogue One would close out the Rushmore, so Ocean's Eleven, and Logan Lucky will start with a couple Soderbergs, uh, and then Rogue One, and not Point Break, but in our hearts, Point Break, but yeah. Inception is what's going to take it. So doing one for the Nolan Bros. If you're a Nolan bro, it. like our and subscribe. <laughs> Let us know in the comments, Call please. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, look, it, man, if you're a Nolan bro, like I love you. That's great. Yeah, no, yeah, we're a Nolan awesome. bro friendly p- podcast. Yeah, man. And all you Tarantino heads complain about none of us picking Reservoir Dogs because that also would have been a great heist movie. Very much like this one where it's like it's kind of the center of the movie, but we don't really get to see a ton of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. You guys have any other thoughts about for a few dollars more before we wrap up? No, man, this movie's just cool. You know, like it is pretty cool. Go watch uh, it. It's just I get it. You know, it's not much else to say, really. Like, I I see what all the fuss is about. Ponchos. Guns, sweaty faces. Yeah, man. What else do you want in a Western? That's all you need. I can't think. I literally can't think of anything. That's all that's required. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, Join us next week as we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I kind of like how these are going because Matrix, like the first trilogy we did, I think the first movie is the best one. 
Lord of the Rings, the second trilogy we did, I think all of us kind of like two towers the most. And I have a feeling that the third trilogy here, the third movie we're going to enjoy the most. I'm excited to finally check it out. Been on my list for a long time. Awesome. So join us next week as we talk about that and Ennio Morricone and whatever else comes up. See you later. It was great. And apparently, I've never been on live television before, but apparently sometimes I don't watch the sh- I don't watch the news because I'm a kid and apparently every time apparently grandpa just gives me a remote after we watch the Powerball.